This is Reverend Kirk Lawton, minister at Ocean Lakes Family Campground, and this is our podcast. Our prayer is that this message may enrich your life as you find God especially meaningful to you. Thank you for worshiping with us. The only persons to whom this message today is addressed are those who are conscious of wrongdoing. If there's somebody out there listening to me today, either here in the congregation or by podcast, somebody who has no uneasy stirrings of conscience about your attitude toward anything or about your relationship with anybody, then this sermon is not for you today. But we're going to be thinking this morning for the next few minutes about the forgiveness of sins. But before we any of us make up our mind that we don't come within the range of this subject's interest and scope, we need to be quite certain that we understand what we mean by sin. (laughs) So often when we use that word, we have in the background of our mind a specific list of gross iniquities, murder, robbery, drunkenness, lust, lying, and so on. Yes, these plainly are sins, but Before we excuse ourselves from the need for forgiveness, let's add three more categories to that list. (coughs) Let's add the sin of temperament. This includes sullenness, vindictiveness, bad temper, peevishness, jealousy, grudge holding. Ah, how much more prevalent these sins are, how much more harm these sins sometimes do. In the parable that Jesus told about the prodigal son, this younger boy represents sins of passion and waywardness, but the elder brother represents sins of temper. When the prodigal son came back home, the house was alight, music was playing, dancing was beginning. It is said that the elder brother stayed outside. He was angry and would not go in. These sins of temperament, as Jesus saw them, keep some people away from the Father's house more hopelessly than do sins of passion and waywardness. Well, let's add another category of sin, not only temperament, let's add the sins of social attitude. A leading sociologist has said the master iniquities of our time are connected with money-making. Although we don't like to admit it, There are those people who will do something for a dollar that they would never think of doing for any other reason. We sometimes think of only of those on the streets of large cities who sell themselves in one way or another in order to get more money to support their habits to which they are enslaved. But there are those, perhaps even right around us, who do evil for political or economic organizations that they would never think of doing for themselves. Sometimes this philosophy is expressed in words like these, well, you know, this is a cutthroat business world. I got to meet my bills and pay my expenses, so I'm sorry if somebody has to get hurt. Yes, there are those individuals who one day are going to have to stand before Almighty God and give an answer for certain business practices. Sometimes there's a great difference between what is legal and what is right. 
Well, let's also add a third category of sins. They're the sins of neglect. No person should try to escape his share in the need for forgiveness until these sins are added to the list. Not only the things we do, but it's also the things we leave undone that perplex us. The letters we did not write, the words of encouragement we did not speak, the visits we did not make, the opportunity which knocked on our door and then went away when no one answered. You remember the parable that Jesus told about the man who had this sin? The one talent man did not do anything bad. He just hid his talent, and that was his sin. He simply did nothing. What was the sin of the priest and the Levite when they saw the wounded man beside the road? What did they do? Well, that was the problem. They did nothing. They just passed by on the other side. And so we have the sins we ordinarily think of and the sins of temper, social attitude, and neglect. Now, there are a lot of other sins. This ought to be enough, though, to include all of us today and remind us that every person here needs forgiveness. This morning, I want to stress particularly the difficulty of forgiving sins. Some people mistakenly think that God has a lighthearted, carefree attitude about forgiving our sins. It's sort of as if God says, come on, everybody, have your sins forgiven. There's really nothing to it. Step right up here. Oh, no, not so at all. Pardon for sins is not easy. Not easy for us, and it certainly was not easy for Jesus to forgive sin. In the second chapter of Mark, the first 12 verses, we have a very familiar story of the man who was brought to Jesus. He was carried by four friends. They went up on the roof when they couldn't get this friend of theirs to Jesus by other means. And so tearing away the roof tiles, they lowered their friend down to where Jesus was. And Jesus said to him, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. And when some of those standing around questioned Jesus forgiving him of his sins, Jesus said, what do you think is easier for me to say, son, thy sins are forgiven thee or arise, take up your bed and walk? I believe Jesus is implying here that it is easier to heal a man of physical sickness, as difficult as that may be, than to forgive his sins. Now, why was it hard for Jesus to forgive sins? I want to suggest a reason or two here. One, because Jesus took sin seriously. It's easy to condone sin, to wink at it, to make light of it, but it is hard to forgive sin. Imagine with me, if you will, a lady who has just had a nice new carpet installed in her home. She looked for many months before she found exactly the kind of carpet she wanted. It had to be just right. One day after that new carpet was installed, a man came to do some repairs at her house. But this man did not take carpets as seriously as did the lady. Where he lived, there was just a plain wooden floor, and it was usually dirty. It never occurred to this man to wipe his feet as he entered this lady's house, and he had no idea that she took carpets so seriously. 
But when he tracked that black dirt and mud into her house and across her new carpet, it did not take long for this man to learn how seriously the lady did feel about nice carpets. Now, someone who didn't think much of carpets could find it rather easy to forgive this mud-tracking man. But the more seriously you take carpets, the more difficult forgiveness comes when they're messed up. Jesus took sin very seriously, and it was really hard for him to forgive. One preacher of several generations ago actually tells about two kinds of mothers. Some mothers have no moral depth, no moral seriousness. They have an instinctively ma instinctive maternity for their offspring, such as bears may have for their cubs or birds have for their young. When the son of such a mother becomes prodigal and wallows in vice, she'll receive him again, receive him condoning his sin, making light of it, saying it didn't matter very much, making up more excuses for it than he himself would ever concoct. But some of us had mothers who would never have forgiven us that way. They would have forgiven us all right, but for them and for us, it would have been serious they would have borne upon their hearts the outrage of our sin as though they had committed it themselves. They would have gone with agonized steps to the gateway of any hell that we turned our feet toward. They would have stood grief-stricken at the door until we came out. They would have put themselves in our places, lived in our stead, felt upon themselves and upon their innocence the burden of our guilt. They would have forgiven us, but it would have turned their hair gray. That is forgiveness. It always means self-substitution. He who forgives or gives, gives forgiveness to anyone else gives not just forgiveness, but also gives himself, and that is not easy. Yes, it's really hard for Jesus to forgive. Why? Because Jesus takes sin so seriously. Which is easier, to say thy sins are forgiven thee or to say arise and walk? But there's a second reason, I think, why Jesus found it hard to forgive. And this is because he loved people. You might say, wait a minute, preacher. That, that makes it easier to forgive, doesn't it? Because you love people? Oh, no, that makes it hard. When you love someone deeply and another person's sin hurts the one you love, it's hard to forgive. Sin always hurts someone else. Nobody sins unto himself alone. Sometimes we hear a person who's bound by some evil habit say, well, I'm not hurting anybody but myself. That simply is not true. We are all a part of each other whether we want to admit it or not. When somebody cares for another person the way Jesus loved people, then it is hard to forgive sin. I remember reading a newspaper report some time ago about an intruder who broke into a home. There was a father with a mother who at that time was expecting a baby and a five-year-old daughter there at the home. The mother was patient with the intruder 
who made improper advances to her. But when he tried to molest that little daughter, this was more than that mother could take. She knocked the gun from the man's hand, and as the man and the father scuffled for the gun, the mother grabbed a lamp and began beating the intruder on the head. He was caught as he limped away from the house, and it took 150 stitches to close the cuts this woman had inflicted on him. The newscaster who was telling about this said that this woman was doing all right physically now, but emotionally she was not doing well at all. She had a deep hatred for that intruder who was about to molest her little daughter. She said, I'm sorry I didn't kill him. You see, when you love somebody, it's hard to forgive sin. Now that same principle applies to Jesus as we find application in the Gospels. Jesus had a real love for everyone, but we find him often befriending those who were incapable of caring for themselves. For example, uh, widows. We never hear of Joseph after Jesus' early boyhood, the earthly father of Jesus, Joseph. Some have speculated he may have died and left Mary a widow. At any rate, Jesus had a special place in his heart for widows. Some of his most severe statements against the scribes and Pharisees were in this regard. Luke 20, verses 46 and 47. Beware of the scribes which devour widows' houses and for a show make long prayers. Another group of people that Jesus thought so much of were the poor. You remember the story Jesus told about the rich man and Lazarus? Jesus was very severe on the rich man. Well, you get the point. It's hard for Jesus to forgive sin because he loved people. When you care for someone very much, it's hard to forgive the one who sins against that one. You can ask any young couple who are madly in love how easy it is to forgive somebody who does something wrong against the one they love. Well, let me mention just one other reason why Jesus found it hard to forgive sins. This is because forgiveness is such a shattering experience for the one who is forgiven. Once again, you may be thinking, oh, it's a wonderful thing to be forgiven. It's great. Well, if you say that lightheartedly, I'm sure of one thing. You have never experienced forgiveness. If you commit some great, terrible sin against another person and you know it, and then there comes a separation between you and the other person. But let's say that you later come to be so ashamed of yourself that you go to that other person and confess your wrong. The one sinned against would have two feelings. One, a feeling of being crushed and wounded by your sin, and a feeling deep within that would make it real hard for them to want to forgive you. But there may be another feeling present, and that would be a love high enough and deep enough to forgive you. For you to be restored to that friendship and love, to be trusted again and truly loved again, surely this is the most humiliating experience a proud person can ever go through. For this reason, there are many people who simply cannot receive forgiveness. It's such a soul-shattering experience. 
One of my early childhood memories is of a time when I had disobeyed my mother in some way. I don't remember what I did wrong. I don't recall that, but I do recall the spanking I got. But even more, I recall my mother kneeling down beside an old trunk in the hallway of our house with me right by her side as she prayed that God would help little Kirk to know that he could forgive me too, just as my mother had done. That was almost more than I could take. Whether a mother forgives a son or God forgives us, a cross is always at the center of the transaction and it is not easy. This morning, as we look at our lives, either our sins have been forgiven or we still have them within us, unconfessed. Sometimes we may try to hold things inside, pretending they're not there, or, but that gives no real satisfaction, nor does it help to try to whitewash our sins or pretend they don't exist. What should we do? Go down to that secret place, unlock that hidden door, Take out that unforgiven sin and lay it before Jesus. He has promised to take us just as we are and wipe clean the slate of our sinful failure pattern. In fact, Jesus has already done what is necessary to deal with your sin. He has died on the cross to pay the price of your sins and mine. This is the only way, the way of the cross. 1 John 1, 9 says it so beautifully. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Leslie Brandt has a beautiful paraphrase of Psalm 32 in which the psalmist David pours out his heart before God in confession of sin and then receives God's forgiveness and rejoices in that fact. As we close our thoughts together this morning, think about Psalm 32. I, I'm going to read just a part of this, but I want to ask that you not just listen to some words, but if possible, let these words speak your own life, your needs, your response to God. Maybe there's that sin in your life which needs to be forgiven. And today is the day you're ready to lay that sin before God. When you're forgiven of sin, here's the way you can feel. As the psalmist said, the man, the person who knows the meaning of forgiveness, whose past failures no longer plague him, who stands blameless and guilt-free before God, that person is rich indeed. Every time I try to handle my own guilt by ignoring it, by rationalizing or running away from it, some unseen power or pressure from the depths of my being squeezes my life dry, leaving me empty. But when I face up to my failures and confess them, when I open my guilt-ridden heart to you, O God, then I realize the blessed meaning of forgiveness. So everyone who claims faith in a loving God needs to cling to God's acceptance and concern. Times of darkness will come. Life's storms and tempests will continue to rage. But that person shall not be destroyed 
by those things. Oh God, we thank you for the words of the 32nd Psalm. They speak to us today. Help us, O oh God, to know that you are a God who is a giving and a forgiving God. We confess our sin to you right now and pray that we may realize the power of your cleansing blood that Jesus gave for us on that old rugged cross. In his name we pray. Amen.